This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 871 You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a programme called... Can you view? Well, at least it is now, and it's hosted by the team from the Stewart Group right here in Hastings. And it's our pleasure to have in the studio Glenn Trillo from the Stewart Group. Hey, going, Glenn? Very well, thank you, Ken. Uh, the Canny View. It's, uh, it's a program which is all about investments, insurance, and other money tips. And just to remind our listeners a little bit about what the Stewart Group do, please, Glenn. Yeah, sure. So we're very much a goals-based financial advising company. Uh, we deal with uh, risk insurance, KiwiSaver, and wealth management. And I say goals-based. It's really important that we know about what it is that our clients wish to achieve and that we we build a plan or a solution most appropriate to achieve in those goals. Indeed, and today we're going to talk about uh, single investments. And uh, the first one you want to talk about is forestry. Why would we beware of a single investment when it could be the best thing since sliced bread? Absolutely. Um, and it's a bit of a bet, isn't it? It's yes. A of, it's putting a wager on uh, one horse, really. Mm. Uh, and, and and I've mentioned forestry today because it's it's been in the news um, as of late uh, with the way that um, log prices have fallen. Um, but be aware, uh, or why be aware? Um, if you tie too much of your wealth in just one investment, if it doesn't come off, or even if it, if it does perform long term, but at the time of realising that investment, the price of that investment has fallen, it could really leave you in the lurch. Um, so it's really important that you diversify your investments, and we talk about a lot of that at Stewart Group. And forestry, despite being in the news lately, um, we have clients with forestry investments, and we have prospective clients that I speak to with forestry investments. And unfortunately, what, I'm, what I've seen with quite a number of people is They've already spent the money, mm. okay? Yes. And, uh, you know, forestry, you would have heard us talk a lot about long-term investment. You should have a long-term yep. um, horizon. Well, forestry is a long-term mm. investment. You can't do much with it for 25 years from time of planting. No. Okay. Um, and, of course, it relies on trying to guess the value of um, logs in 25 years' time. Well, that's very difficult. That is difficult. Although one might suggest that uh, with the housing market the way it's going, you know, I think New Zealand at the moment uh, in the next year or so is going to be 150,000 houses short Mm. that you might suggest while investing in the very basic uh, commodity for building a house, which is wood, you'd be on a a winning streak, wouldn't you? Yeah, sure. And and I'm certainly not here um, to... You know, downplay the importance mm. of um, you know of forestry, and um, and also steer people away from investing in forestry, mm. but just really to use it as part of a much broader investment strategy. Um, so, if you look at what's going on at the moment, China has more than double the amount of logs sitting on wharfs mm. than what it would usually have this time of year, and there's been 
couple of reasons. There's oversupply from Russia and Scandinavia, but also China is starting to feel the pinch of these tariffs between mm. the US and China. A um, little bit difficult to get any concrete numbers out of China, but yeah. they, you know, many people are saying that it is the slowest growth in 27 years, so it's starting to hurt. Mm. China does not have the same requirements for wood products at the moment. And, I mean, a cubic meter went from 130 US to 105 US dollars. I think it's even lower than that. Mm. And unfortunately, we're seeing some people being laid off um, in the forestry industry, Mm. um, subcontractors, forestry workers. Some forests are just not being harvested because there's just not the the return there at the moment. and, you know, I've been speaking with this. It's been very topical for me for a couple of my clients recently, and they've spent the money. I know that in their mind they've spent the money. Mm. They've spent a lot of money putting in road, because it's not just – it's all okay um, to get a forestry game to show up and cut trees down, yeah. but you have to get to them. You have to get them out. Sure. And the cost, the infrastructure, and the roading that goes into these things, it's a significant sum of money. And if you don't – time it right you could end up with harvested logs which don't have a lot of value is that the problem when you're investing in a commodity that anyone can supply i mean anyone can grow trees although it does take 25 years Mm. but is that a problem where you're you're not in a niche market that you know could be wow this is the bee's knees uh, but anyone can grow a log can't they send it off somewhere yeah, they can. And and what you see, unfortunately, is some people jump onto this bandwagon. Mm. And whereas there was um, the demand and supply, there's more demand than supply, it can very quickly turn around. Yep. And then the market just gets flooded. Mm. Um, I mean, forestry is our third largest exporter for New Zealand. Um, the trouble with that is if you see a downturn, it hurts. Um, and we're starting to see that now. Um, and as I say, for an investor, fine if you want to invest in um, long-term forestry, mm. but heavens, just ensure that it, it represents just a small amount. The other thing we talk a lot about is liquidity. Yep. Um, trying to get out of forestry early um, at a price that you're happy with can be very difficult. Mm. It's not as tradable as holding fixed interest or bonds or, or shares in the share market. Um, if somebody came to me and said, Glenn, I need, I need $10,000 and I need it in a week's time, I can provide them $10,000 in a week's time by selling down assets mm. within three or four days. Forestry, it ties it up. Mm. Similar to um, uh, rental properties. Mm. Um, yes, we have a housing shortage in, in this country, but if you want to realise it quickly, it's expensive to sell. And, and it may take time. Sure. Um, so just things to think about. We often talk about cycles, though, and we we mention that seven-year cycle on shares. And um, is it the same with forestry, or is the forestry that much bigger cycle that you mentioned? You know, twenty years to grow a tree, twenty-five years. Yeah, with um, I mean, with forestry, of course. I mean, there's nothing stopping you from harvesting early. You mm. can. Um, but I think for the most part, it's a good twenty-five years. And then after twenty-five years, it doesn't really make make much difference mm. when you harvest them so no. you, st- you can sit back and um, choose when to harvest them post a sort of 25 year period but what about if you're investing in, in forestry and in, say the sh- in the share market is it the same sort of cycle that you know we always talk about peaks and troughs 
and you'll yep. often say, well, Leon, if you wait seven years, you're probably going to come right. Is that going to be the same with yeah, forestry yeah. as an option or not? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, certainly, uh, you know, with the share market tends to bounce back, I think, a little bit more quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there is volatil- there is more volatility in the share market. Um, it is a longer-term investment, but I, I can go back with absolute confidence, historic prices, share prices, right back to the 1920s and share with people how it's performed and how it's um, how it compares to other commodities and the like as well. Well, as we record this program, uh, they're floating shares on the Napier port. Mm. And one might like to think that that's got to be a bit of a winner, doesn't it? I mean, it's right here. It's local. We know how busy the port is. What would be the downside, for instance, in uh, making a, a big commitment to a Napier port shares? Um, a big commitment would be once again. Um, I, 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 I actually, I'm actually quite impressed with the offer. Mm. Uh, we don't know the share price at the moment. We know that it's um, they're raising money to extend the wharf. Um, I think wharf six is what they're going to be yes, putting in. That's right. Um, and yeah, look, I guess the decision is made. If, if you don't raise it this way, how, how do you get this mm. work done? Um, and I guess ratepayers have to fund it. Sure. Um, so. We don't know what the um, value of each share is going to be, but once again, um, I, I guess the risks are, you know, 55%, talking about forestry, 55% yeah. of what is um, exported through the Napier port is forestry product, yeah. is, is logs. So at the moment, it is reasonable to assume that um, it's starting to bite with um, with China saying, look, we don't need any more logs or not as much as what we're used to. So you'd expect shipping and um, traffic through the port to be reduced. That would impact on profits. Um, 84% of what we export goes to Asia. So if there is a, um, you know, I guess geographically, if there's a downturn in Asian economies, mm. that could impact the port. Um, 55% is going to be still owned by the regional council, so they, they're going to have a lot of sway as to the port direction. Mm. Um you know, that's 55%. Some people may be concerned by that. Um, so once again, uh, certainly read through the product disclosure statement that was issued uh, mid-July. Um, have a look at that, but just ensure that, yes, you know who the Port of Napier is. It's a well-known um, company, mm. outfit, uh, infrastructure, but... Don't put too much as a percentage of your wealth into it. Um, it should just be very much part of a much wider strategy. There was also some talk <coughs> not that long ago from where my memory serves me and that they're looking right across New Zealand of saying, do we have too many ports? Yep. That would be disastrous if they said, okay, well, yeah, we're going to downsize the Napier port because it's all going to go through Tauranga or it's all going to go through Littleton. Is it, would that be a, something that we'd need to consider? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think you raise a good point. Um, I've heard the same discussions as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, any investment that you make, you can be adversely affected by, mm. by a variety of factors. Um, that may be one of them if they choose to relocate ports or close ports because we have too many. Mm. Um as other ports, you know, whether it's Tauranga or Auckland, there's even talk about moving the mm. Auckland port, yeah. um, whether it will ever come to fruition. But if these ports start ramping up their ability to import and export goods through them, that could place pressure on um, the port of Napier or, or Nelson and the like. Um, and, of course, ensuring those um, links for um, transport is important, whether yeah. it's through truck or rail. 
Absolutely. Um, so, so that's important. And we've had a lot of discussion about um, reopening the railway line between uh, Napier and Gisborne, mm. of course. Um, and a lot of that is on the back of logging, of course, yeah. um, being able to transport those. Um, so, you know, just be aware that... Um, when investing, and, and this is what we call an IPO, um, when investing into a newly listed company such as this here, uh, there are risks. There is no long-term track record on the share pricing. You don't know what it's going to be 12 months from now. Internationally, off the cuff, about 70% of newly listed companies will be worth less in 12 months' time mm. than it is when it's first listed. Okay, which then means about thirty percent of them are not, and they perform yeah. very well. And Napierport may be one of them. But so, why would you invest initially? Why wouldn't you just wait? Good question. And, and some of this is to do with um, you may feel that there's going to be a spike um, because if there's an oversubscription in, in the likes of Napierport, and I think they're um, they're trying to offer these um, newly minted shares to mm. local persons. Yes to um, local ratepayers um, and the like. And so therefore, if there's an oversubscription, uh, the argument is you may be able to sell them on quickly and get a, a quick profit. Um, now, that's a bit of gambling. I think if you're going to be buying shares, that should be for the longer term. Okay, um, But, you know, history has shown us globally that most newly listed um, shares and companies are worth less than 12 months' time. Oh. Um, so just be aware of that. Um, you, you, you may get a, a quick profit, but that's not the reason why you should be looking at buying these shares. I guess some of the listeners right now might think, ooh, that doesn't sound very inspiring to invest either in forestry or perhaps even the Napier Port or mm. any one item, which also brings me back to bricks and mortar. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that... P- even people listening to the same thing, yeah, I'm going to go and buy a house because I'm probably going to get at least my money back sure. and I'm going to get a whole bunch of rent coming in and I'm going to get maybe a bit of negative gearing if that's still around when uh, this government finished with what you can do with your tax and whatnot. But, but is that the way that you think most people are looking at investments? Um, uh, I acknowledge the love affair that New Zealanders have with bricks and mortar. Yeah, and still uh, have, you know. And, and still have, and still have. Um, I, you know... When, whether I talk about forestry or the Napier port uh, new listing or, or bricks and mortar, any single asset class, I, I can bring up reasons, not so much not to invest, mm. but reasons to be aware of and be cautious about, um, no matter what it is that you're investing funds into, including how Stuart Group invests funds. And that's why we always come back to diversification. Yep. There are always... Um, you know, there, there are always issues and concerns in anything that you invest in, so you need to diversify your investment. Um, property, if you've been around a few moons and you've seen some cycles, you also know that property can fall in value mm, as sure. well. And I know in this market it can be hard to believe, but people will share with you the fall in values in the early 90s and in, in the 1970s. And, and even recently here in the Hawke's Bay, I think the top of the previous boom was about 07, 08. Mm-hmm. Nothing then happened for the next five, six years. It, it was completely flat, if you were lucky. It actually went back a mm. little bit in some areas. Yes, it's pushed on again. But during that 07 to 2012, 13 period, 
nothing was happening in property, and it could have actually went into yeah. recession. So, you know. although they have been saying, and we've been talking about it for a couple of years, mm. and uh, we've been saying, "Oh, that bubble's going to burst." Yep, and, and it hasn't, has it? No, it hasn't. no, 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 it hasn't. <laughs> um, the, the biggest concern here, and, and I say this. Um, with a backdrop of it looks like the OCR rate is going to probably be reduced again. Mm. So the pundits are picking 25 to probably another 50 basis point drop in the OCR rate. Really good if you've got a mortgage. Not good if you've got bank deposits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but with why, why, does the, why does the Reserve Bank drop the OCR? Because they're concerned about the economy and a slowing economy mm. and, and inflation, right? So, so who, who is it good for, other than someone getting a mortgage? Yep. Who is that big drop good for? Uh, not many other people, yeah. really. If you're borrowing funds, it's great. Um, but if you're investing funds, not, not good at all. And also, as I say, it is a sign of an economy which is probably starting to slow. But we're seeing this internationally as, as not a New Zealand phenomena. It's, um, other countries are starting to slow as well. Um, the trouble you start getting into is New Zealand's not too bad because we, we can still do rate cuts at the mm. moment. Our central bank interest rates are higher than what they are in most other developed countries in the world. But you get to a point where actually you don't have anything else to cut. Um, and that's, yeah. that's when you start hitting, entering the danger zone. What happens when the bank reverses that trend and says, okay, we're not going to drop it anymore, we're going to crank it back up. How dangerous is that for someone who's borrowing to buy property? Well, that, that's the biggest concern with um, the current um, value of properties at the moment. If Interest rates go back up because at the moment you can get a residential mortgage for uh, late threes, four yeah. percent, yeah, there or thereabouts on a fixed interest rate. You should be working out your mortgage repayments on seven or eight percent mm. interest rates. No one does that, do they? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you would hope that the people in the bank who are approving yeah. the loans are, are doing this on their behalf. Um, the trouble is. If you're used to paying, because so many people take out a 30-year mortgage, they pay the minimum, um, and if interest rates go up, they have to find that money from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if rates go back back up to probably what is considered normal in New Zealand, which is 8 9 10%, yeah. a lot of people are going to be feeling pain. Yes. Mm. That's when the bubble bursts. That's when the bubble may burst, yep. And, and actually, just coming back to rental properties... Um, some rental landlords will share with you the cost they've had over, uh, fairly recently over the last couple of years of having to insulate their home. Mm-hmm. They're looking at a warrant of fitness for rental properties. Um, we looked at the, the tax uh, working group looked at um, the ad- advantages of tax around being a landlord, which I don't think there's many changes in that space. No. But certainly um, landlords have felt the pinch and had to spend money on, you know, it's probably considered to pretty average stock, but nevertheless it is taking money away from their investment and some have chosen to quit rental properties because of it. Although most of them have probably just passed that cost on to their um, tenant, haven't they? Some have. Realistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah some have, um, whether that's uh, agreeable or not, but yeah. um, that's unfortunately what has happened in some state. So really the bottom line is, as we always end up talking about, it's all about <coughs> diversification. I wonder, I wonder if you had to put a mix on it, um, Glenn. Would you say, for instance, would you put, say, 60-20-20? So let's say we said, oh, I love bricks and mortar. 
We mm-hmm. just say, well, we recommend 60% in bricks and mortar, 20% in shares, and 20% in wine, as an example. Is there a mix like that that you approach, or is it not that simple? Uh, not that simple. It really does depend on what your future goals and objectives mm. and your requirement for income is, because depending on what you invest in, um, you may or may not receive an ongoing income stream. Mm. So, you know, we work with a number of people who are in retirement who are looking at topping up their national superannuation. And so they need a regular income mm. stream. Um, and so that will sort of help dictate how we would approach an investment solution. Now, we know that many of the people that we deal with will own their own owner-occupied home. They have a roof over their head. They own it. They uh, may own it mortgage-free. And so I, I sit there and think to myself, do you need any more money in mm. bricks and mortar? Probably not. Um, and so we're, I look at a different type of investment for them. What happens to banks then when we don't, when we decide we're not going to deposit any money with them because we're not getting any return on our investment? It's a real challenge for banks in that space because um, so much of when you when you put money in the bank. It doesn't just sit idly. I mean, you're mm, seeing it sure. as a number on a state bank statement or yeah. when you log in, but I can assure you that money is being used, um, particularly term deposit money. Depositors' mm. money are lent out um, on uh, lending. Mm. Um, so depositors' money for banks is, is a big part of their business. They give you a rate of return, then they um, clip the ticket, which is fine, and lend it out. So... Um, falling deposit rates is, is an issue for the bank. Yeah. Um, they also borrow money on um, the overseas market as well. Um, and now they've got, looks to be more stringent um, you know, capital adequacy requirements being introduced by the Reserve Bank. So they're, they're facing a challenge. Why do you think they don't encourage you to uh, put your money in the bank by giving you a better ret- return on your money? I mean, who's, who's going to bank money to get 1%? Yeah, and... Uh, Good question. The, the flip side to that is if they give you a better return, then they're going to have sure. to start hiking rates on mortgage lending yeah. and that as well. So it's always a balancing act from them. I think some of it is a bit of sort of apathy and just lack of knowledge because mm. uh, many people will view the bank as, okay, I'm not getting much, but you know what? It's pretty safe. Yes. Um, and some people opt for safety over the unknown mm. because, you know, I, I – I know in, in, in my world and what I do, when I sit down with many um, prospective people and they start sharing with me what they know about investments in the, in the share market and bonds, the knowledge isn't great. Right, no, um, And uh, that's, that's part of education, I think. And a lot of this is to do with you just don't know what you don't know. Are more and more people getting involved in that side of their life? Whereas before, they might say, oh, don't, don't worry about it. Going to buy a house, going to have kids. Yep. Can you get a new car? One of the one of the um, the best things to have happened over the last fifteen years is KiwiSaver. Mm. Okay, with the introduction of KiwiSaver, now it's, t- it's taken a while, but are you? We call it used car money with KiwiSaver. Um, people often don't really think about KiwiSaver or may not even care mm. until they build up to new car value. Yes, because so many people haven't had. Thirty, forty thousand yeah, dollars to exactly. buy a brand new car, and all of a sudden, it's important, which is great. Yeah, you know, um, you need to make sure you're on the right um, KiwiSaver, um, the scheme, the risk profile. You know, whether it's growth or balanced and the like. And this is really starting to trigger conversation, mm. and people are asking more questions. It's being more in the media, um, so it's one of the, the best things to happen 
on personal financial planning and well, it's a great idea, isn't it? Long time. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to be in it? Why wouldn't you want to be yeah, in it? Exactly. Yeah. And and the KiwiSaver rules have relaxed for retired mm. persons. So if you're over the age of 65, you can now go into KiwiSaver, um, invest funds, and take it out. And there's no lock-in period. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately, the government don't put their bid in anymore. Uh, n- not over 65. No, no. no. You're talking about the members' tax. Yeah, credit. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always a price to pay, isn't there? Yes, there <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is. Just about out of time, Glenn. Just remind our listeners, we want to come and see you at the Stewart Group for any financial advice whatsoever. Where are you guys? Sure. So we're at 204 Kerama Road in Hastings. Uh, we also have offices in the Wairapa and Wellington as well. Good on you, Glenn. As always, our pleasure. You look after yourself. We'll talk to the same time, same place next time. We'll do. Thanks, Glenn. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.